Let's go in our Bibles, Acts chapter number 6, Acts chapter number 6, and I got uh, 15 minutes tops, all right? I can, I can feel the, uh, the crew in here doesn't believe I can do it. I can do it, I promise. Acts chapter 6, where we'll be, and uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different type of message. It'll be more uh, devotion uh, in style. We're just going to kind of go verse by verse and pull out a couple truths here and um, not dive too deep into the background of what's exactly being stated. I do want to just share uh, just something from my heart as I was uh, sitting up here. And um, I think about our pastor. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. How many of you knew that? October is Pastor Appreciation Appreciation Month, and um, it's, uh, I, I just have to say, he's not in here, so I don't get any bonus points or anything for this, but uh, I appreciate our pastor, and I hope you do as well. Um, think about what the Lord would have you to do in the next week or so to encourage your pastor. I, I, what I love about our pastor is he's not, he's not a CEO. He doesn't come in here and just kind of make sure everything's organized and kind of act cold and, and calculated. He very much cares for the needs and cares of the entire church. And I've been with him on days where he comes in and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what burden he's carrying, but uh, he, he's been with you know some of you in dark days and uh, and I can just feel, I don't know what it, the details are, but I can feel that our pastor is, is carrying those burdens with you. And I appreciate that we have a pastor that loves people and he loves his sheep. And so I don't know what the Lord will put on your heart to do. I just want to share this. He, he carries these burdens and he doesn't, he doesn't advertise it. He comes in here on Sundays, Wednesdays and and acts like everything's good, right? And every, everything is. We trust the Lord in everything. But uh, that, takes a, that takes a toll on you as a person, and uh, especially as a pastor, as you care and love the sheep. And so do something for him. Just maybe write him a card, drop it in, in his office, and we just slide it under the door there. It would be great if pastor came in next week and, and opened his office door, and there's just a whole slew of thank you cards appreciating our pastor. And I appreciate his example and his love for each and every one of us. Uh, I'm going to go through Acts chapter 6 and just uh, share uh, some truths that, that I have gleaned as I've gone through this uh, passage here. If I were to put a title to the message this evening, it would be uh, looking at the life of Stephen, a man that lived a full life. A man that lived a full life. And for those of you that know what happened to Stephen, you know that he didn't live a long life. But I think as we go through this chapter, we're going to find that the life that Stephen lived was to the fullest. We're going to look at some specific principles that the Bible says Stephen was filled with. And I hope that as we leave here today, we'll be challenged to live like Stephen. You may have heard somebody say, uh, wow, that person lived a full life. And really what we mean by that is uh, maybe they're 90 years old and they pass from the scene. They lived a full life. Or uh, I just heard the other day, 
Somebody was a hundred and, and so years old. Wow, I couldn't imagine living a full century on this earth. Or maybe you've heard this phrase, oh, that person lived life to the fullest. And they participate in just about any kind of event, any kind of activity. They, they went and did it. They've been all over the world. They've, uh, they've seen it all. They've grasped uh, uh, all that life has to offer. But neither of those statements are really what we're talking about this evening. Because we're going to read some of these passages, and I think some of us may even yawn at what Stephen had. He didn't have much, but the things that he did have, I think we should desire to have them as well. Acts chapter number 6. Before we start reading in these passages of Scripture, I want to kind of give some, uh, some backdrop into what we're picking up here in chapter number 6. We understand that Jesus was here on this earth. He called out the disciples. He had 12. And of course, we know Judas betrayed Jesus and uh, went and committed suicide. And there's 11. And they're up in the, uh, they're, they're, um, uh, uh, Jesus comes back after uh, uh, raising from the dead. And he's starting now to establish the physical church. He's uh, beginning to uh, tell these individuals, uh, these disciples, hey, listen, I want you to wait. And I'm going to give you power that you've never known before. I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost and He's going to fill you and He's going to accomplish a mighty work here in this church. And and uh, we know that in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we find the day of Pentecost, really kind of that first church service all together. And... Um, we know that in Acts chapter 2, verse number 41, then they that gladly received His Word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a lot of people in a church. Imagine if we had a service and all of a sudden we uh, packed 2,000 people in here and we had 1,000 in our 815, 1,000 in our 1030. And, and, and then the Lord continues to work and grow the church and now you have a great crew of people. All of us understand, even at the um, the uh, membership numbers that we run right now, we run into some logistical concerns. We run into how many can we fit up in the fellowship hall during one of our events? Uh, how many people can we pack into one of our divider classrooms in the fellowship hall? How many people can we fit in the auditorium? Many of you know that just a, 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 about a, a, a few months back, about nine, ten months back, we went from just having one morning service to now having two morning services, and that's opened up a whole lot more room. There's a lot of logistical things that was taking place in this early church as God is multiplying the people within His church. They were of one body, one mind, one accord. They were striving together for the faith of the gospel. But in Acts chapter number 6, as we look at verse number 1, we find here that this is the very first spirit of disunity within this great body. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a, what's that next word, church? Murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The very first time, the very first problem that comes up, and just to give you a couple points this morning, they're all going to be alliterated. This is the trouble that faces the church. The trouble. The trouble. The problem was not uh, uh, the fact that there was uh, uh, there, there was concern, there was issues. The problem that really arose within this passage was the fact that they were murmuring. You see, it's easy for us to look around and find flaws in church. You understand that? We can look 
Real easy. You walk in on a Sunday morning and you say, well, there's not a lot of parking spots. Or, oh, things weren't cleaned properly. Or, oh, well, I wasn't greeted the way I should have been greeted. Right? You can have those concerns and, and you can try to be constructive in, in your criticism. But a lot of times as, as human beings, as sinners, we begin to murmur. We don't go to the necessary channels that we should to share some concerns that we may have. And this, uh, these Grecians were going around to each other and they were privately debate, debating. That's what the word murmuring means. And they're, they're, they're kind of gossiping and they're starting to whisper kind of behind the pastor's backs and say, well, I, I wish you'd take care of this. This church is, is terrible until they actually start taking care of uh, our, our widows here. And, and so anyone can criticize, but few can come up with solutions. It's easy for us to criticize. Can I remind us today, nobody's ever built a memorial for a critic. Nobody's ever honored a critic. We need to be types of people that maybe we do have uh, concerns, but we bring them to the right channels. That we not have the spirit of divinity that uh, this, uh, this this divisive group here in this church that we're going around and starting to share and start to whisper and murmur uh, these different things. I think as as leaders and as Christians, we should have the attitude to make big problems small, and we should never let small problems become big. Anybody can go around and, and, and make a, a big mess of things, but as leaders we need to understand and have discernment. This may be a big issue, but let's make this smaller. Let's come up with a solution. And so we see the terms, the terms of the solution in verse number 2. We see that these pastors were discerning. They understood what was going on in their church. They heard the murmuring that was going on. And uh, verse number two, they were quick to make a decision on this. They said, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse number three, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In verse number two, we see that the growth of the church should not be solely on the pastor. A lot of times we come to church and we expect the pastor to serve, or we expect the staff to serve and fill every role. But we understand here that the, the pastors in this church, they're tapped out. They're praying, they're studying, they're uh, trying to seek the Lord's direction in the church. And there were needs that needed to be tended to, but those needs did not uh, get filled simply by the pastors. Now there was a need for church membership to get involved. A staff-run church is a staff-ruined church. All of us are members of a greater body, the church. We all have been saved and put in this church, added to this church for a reason. God gave all of us, when you accept Christ to be a personal Lord and Savior, a spiritual gift that you should be using, not for your own personal business or your own personal benefit, but for the furtherance of the church. I remember a pastor once said, he coined this phrase, this is your church. And he posed this question, what is your ministry? This is your church, 
What is your ministry? A lot of us, including myself, we come up with ideas of places we need to reach and people we need to reach and things we need to do. And I, I got some great ideas in my mind, but here's, here's the problem that I often fall into is I don't, I don't fill those. I expect somebody else to. We need to have the attitude that this is my church. How am I going to get involved in my church? And I know I'm preaching the choir tonight. If you've remained here all day, you're the faithful. You're the ones that are probably already involved in something. I think of uh, uh, other ministries that we could be opening up. I think of our nursing homes uh, in this area. They need the gospel. They need people to go in there and encourage them and sing songs and uh, uh, you know get uh, uh, just some, some encouragement on the day to day basis. I think of uh, uh, the city of Bridgeport. One of the I think it's the largest city in Connecticut, right in our back door. And we got a lot of people that need to be reached in that community. And we may say, well, i got good ideas to get in there, and I wish pastor would do this, and I wish that the church would get behind this. But, hey, we need to have the, 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 the mindset of, I'm going to fill this. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to use my gifts, my abilities, uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. There's so many to reach, but very few that are willing to take the steps necessary to reach them. Verse number three, we also see the terms of what was taking place here. We, we see that the, uh, the, the pastors didn't just want anybody to fill these roles, the, specifically the role of a deacon. By the way, we can look at this and we'll see, of course, uh, what the deacons uh, did and, and the type of men that they were. But listen, uh, we all ought to have the heart like a deacon. We all ought to be maybe laymen in the church that have a good heart, that are usable, that are teachable, and that meet these criteria right here, full of the Holy Ghost. But also, what else are they filled with? Wisdom. They're full of wisdom. And we find in this list that they're, uh, they're, they're, they met the criteria. There were many men uh, in this church, seven men specifically, that fit this criteria. of uh, They were full of the Holy Ghost and they were full of wisdom. That word full means to be covered over or completely consumed. All you could see in these men was not self. It was not pride. It was not arrogancy. There was no agenda in their life. It was the sole purpose of allowing the Holy Spirit to move them, guide them, speak through them. They were mere instruments for the Holy Spirit to work. It was obvious and these pastors said, we're going to find some obvious men that are going to fit this role. I wonder today if maybe pastor says, I'd like to fill a, a, a specific ministry with some folks. And I wonder if maybe as he goes through uh, the ministry and goes through your life and your testimony, maybe he has to say, well, they may work. I don't know that they fit all the criteria of what I'm wanting, but I think they may be good enough. No, my friend, we ought to desire to have the filling of the Holy Spirit. Not just to have the Holy Spirit. Any saved person can have the Holy Spirit. They do have the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to be filled, to be completely consumed. And listen, I'm preaching to myself as I'm preparing this message. Uh, do people see the Holy Spirit in me where I go? Does the words that come out of my mouth, are they words of wisdom or are they words of pride and selfishness? If we're going to be fully consumed by the Holy Spirit of God, we must be empty of self. We must be empty of sin. Before you came to church today, did you take some time to pray and say, God, I want to make sure that I'm empty of everything. 
of my own selfishness today. I pray that you go through and start confessing sin and you start evaluating and start working to make sure you're you're not going to church for your own agenda. That you're going to church because God wants you to go to church and you're going with pure motives and you, you say, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what situations I'm going to get into. I don't know what kind of people I'm going to be ministering to in my life group or uh, out fellowshipping. But God, I need the filling of the Holy Spirit to fully guide me. To fully use me. And we see not only the trouble that the church faced and the terms that the pastors brought forth, but we see the testimony of these men. Look at verse number 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. I just have to pause right there. A lot of times pastor or somebody will get up and they'll try to uh, uh, give a, a solution to a problem. And there's always some people, right? They just, they just have a divisive spirit and it doesn't matter what is going to happen. I'm not going to agree to that. I'm not going to agree. Right? I like this church in that when the pastor came up and he said, hey, we have a solution to this problem. The Bible says that it pleased the whole multitude. Are you an agreeable person? When somebody speaks logically, you understand that that these pastors sought the counsel of God and the guidance of the church. Are you the type of person that's willing to get behind that and say, I know that they entered the throne room of God and are seeking God's counsel and wisdom in this matter. Or are you saying, it's my way or the highway, Pastor? I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care how much wisdom you have or how much time you spent in prayer. I know I'm the only one right in this matter. That's a lot of pride, my friend. That's the complete contrary of of what we should be uh, uh, desiring as this church was unified up until this moment. Now we see this first little bit of divisiveness. My friend, we live in a divisive culture. Divisiveness is all over. If you work a secular job, you know it's a fight. It's a fight on a daily basis, right? A lot of times, anytime somebody tries to stand up for something, it seems that three people are just trying to pull them down, right? It's that ladder type mentality. Somebody starts to advance and we're going to pull them down. I need to advance. It's all pride. The church ought to not be motivated by pride. It needs to be motivated by the Holy Spirit. Moving forward, and they chose Stephen. Amen. What's that next word? Full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And Philip, we see these uh, the names of the other men here, verse number 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. This, uh, we see that the, this church was a great, an agreeable group. These men did not become filled with the Spirit and wisdom once the position was opened. Their testimony is that they were already full of the Spirit. You know, sometimes we see opportunity. We see maybe, oh, pastor's looking for a life group uh, leader, and so I need to look the part. I need to act the part. I need to carry my Bible to church. Oh, pastor's looking for somebody to fill this role. I'm going to all of a sudden start showing up to church. No, these men were already faithful. These men already knew the Lord. These men already were filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and they had the wisdom Their testimony showed it even before the position was open. The word full, as I mentioned, is is uh, is to be perfect, thoroughly permeated with. All you could do with these men was see the Holy Ghost and wisdom in their life. They were empty of self. These men weren't ones uh, to cause division in the church. 
I think that was probably part of the, the test right there. They probably asked these men, were you involved in the murmuring? Were you involved in the ones that were creating division? I don't think any of these seven men were the ones going around trying to stir up trouble. I think these men were staying faithful. Perhaps they heard the murmuring, but they were the ones that went to the pastor and said, Hey, pastor, we have a little bit of an issue here. we got some murmuring that's going on. I just want you to know the state of your flock, pastor. I just want you to know this is going on. I didn't entertain the conversation. I didn't push it any further. But hey, I, 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 I'm on your side, pastor. I don't, want, I don't want us to have any division. I don't want there to be any disunity. I think these men passed that test. They were empty of self. Look at verse number 8. We see that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost wisdom. But it also says faith and power. Faith and power. And Stephen used what God gave him. He didn't keep it to himself. He didn't stay home and read the Bible and pray and confess sin and have the Holy Spirit use him in his home. He was out and about. Look with me in verse number 8. And Stephen, full of uh, faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. He was out and about. Then there arose a certain, uh, uh, certain of the synagogue, which called uh, the synagogue uh, of, of the Libertines and, and uh, so forth. You see the other cities that were there, and they, they began to rise up. So we see the trouble, the terms, the testimony, and the trial. The Bible says in verse number 11 that they suborned. Then they suborned men. You know what that means? It means that they instigated privately. You understand with me today, the very same tactics that the unsaved were doing in this verse, verse number 11, were the very same tactics that these saved individuals were doing that created disunity within the church. They're going around privately and they're trying to stir up some strife and they're trying to create some division here. It's the same tactic of the, this church here. And so they couldn't resist the fact that Stephen had such wisdom and, and, and handled himself properly and was so full of power and faith and all these different things. And so they did the next best thing is they, they just said, well, we're going to put him on trial here and, and uh, we're going to try to stir up strife for the people that are following him. Verse number 12, the, 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 at first we see in verse number 11, there was an emotional struggle, an emotional battle as uh, people are, are beginning to turn against Stephen. But then in verse number 12, it became physical. And they bind him and they take him away. Stephen just keeps preaching in the midst. And if you look at chapter 7, we're not going to go through it for sake of time. We're just about done. We understand that, that Stephen's very last moments on this earth preached and used his power, used the Holy Spirit in his life and worked and became a great testimony not only to these synagogues that were about to literally kill him, but even to the people surrounding as we find at the end of chapter 7 that Saul is there. We know him to be Paul and of course a great convert, wrote much of the New Testament uh, for us. All of that, all of those seeds, all of that fruit was born because Stephen had a testimony while he was on trial and while he was in the this difficult state. If you look at, uh, finally, uh, the treatment, the treatment, testimony, the trial, and then the treatment. If you go to chapter 7, verse number 58, I'll read these final verses here. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes, the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, called upon God and sang, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 
We see the treatment towards Stephen was hostile to the point of death. Stephen became the first martyr in the New Testament. But Stephen didn't retaliate. Stephen's last words were a picture of grace to us. He said, lay not this this sin to their charge. Stephen was a forgiving man. Stephen was so full of the Holy Ghost. At that moment, he could have uh, uh, appointed it all to himself, but no, he said, I'm going to choose to forgive. I don't want even God to seek judgment or, or get justice on these folks. I don't even want there to be sin in their charge. If you're in my life group, you understand today we talked about uh, uh, bitterness. Bitterness comes about when we choose not to forgive. We harbor a long-term anger. And it, it affects us emotionally. And even can turn physical. Stephen didn't even want that. He didn't want that to be a possibility. And, and the treatment that Stephen gave was that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Empty of self. Empty of his own will, his own agenda. And he became a picture of grace for us. We talked about a number of different things. I don't know what the Lord's doing in your heart right now and, and through the preaching. But I just want to encourage you to live a full life here on this, on this earth. It's not about how long you live or really the types of things you consume and entertainment or the activities that go on. To live a full life, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And be full of His power. Be usable and teachable and be one that unifies, not one that divides. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed this morning. Lord, we do thank you for everyone that's here. And Lord, this is a different style message and uh, just one. We're going verse by verse. But Lord, I pray that uh, something would pierce our hearts and we'd be uh, church members here that desire to be unified and not divisive. Lord, I pray that you uh, uh, be with this group and may we, as we move forward and as we grow and as we see you uh, do great and mighty things through White Oak Baptist Church, may we get involved, may we answer that question, uh, uh, this is my church, what is my ministry, how am I going to get a, be a part of this? And, and through that, as we have number, uh, a number of people continue to come into our doors that are visitors, they've never been here before, may we uh, expand our horizons and, and see new ministries, new people saved, new people groups that we're able to reach, all because we said we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we want the power of God resting upon our life, and we want to be a man that is uh, uh, has lived life to the fullest with your power and presence within us. Lord, I pray that you be with us today as we travel home. Be with us this evening. We ask your name. Amen. Alright, thank you folks. Appreciate you uh, being here. I hope you had a great afternoon and enjoy your evening.